hello and welcome to Faith Life 365, episode number 21. My name is Tim Hardison, and we are talking about hindrances to faith. Now, if you missed a past podcast, go back, listen, and get caught up with us. Also, please visit our website and blog at www.faithlife365.org. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about how not acting on the Word is a hindrance to our faith. Now, let's pray and get started. Father God, we come before you in the, the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, we, we praise you and we thank you for your many blessings that you give us on a regular basis. Father God, we ask now that you would open our eyes that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, give us knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and grow our faith as we read and study your word today. Amen and amen. What is meant by not acting on the word? Isn't it enough to accept Jesus as our personal Savior, go to church, hear the word preached, read the word, and pray? Luke chapter 8, verses 19 through 21 of the English Standard Version Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 25 of the New Living Translation. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Jesus said that His family are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Doing it requires action. The Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, said, do not just listen to the Word. You have to do what it says. Now keep in mind that those that Jesus and the Apostles were talking to, they did not have a New Testament to read from. Most did not have their own copy of the Old Testament. They had to go to the temple to hear the reading of the Word. That was written, uh, and it was read from scrolls. The New Covenant was preached and taught to the people. It was by the word of mouth. They didn't have a New Testament there to pull open and read. It was not yet in book or letter form uh, until, well, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not written until somewhere between 60 and 110 A.D. The epistles of the Apostle Paul to the churches were written sooner, beginning around 50 A.D. The early church received the word of the New Covenant and of Jesus through the preaching and teaching of Jesus and the apostles. So we are so much more blessed as we have the written Word of God right at our fingertips, literally at our fingertips. I mean, many people today can get the Word of God on their right here on their smartphones, uh, tablets, iPads, uh, whatever you call uh, Somebody, I think, maybe even have it on their wristwatch. I, I don't know. <laughs> but but I don't doubt it. We have the ability to play the Bible on audio from phone apps, you know, from CDs, DVDs, uh, uh, whatever the digital music players are. You can see I'm turning into a dinosaur here. Um, but we can we can read and hear the word instantly. It's it's written and and 
all kinds of uh, forms and copies that we can get uh, made available to us. Uh, formats, you know, there's so many different versions, and some maybe we'd recommend and don't. But we have no excuse for not reading or hearing the Word of God. But we're not called to merely read or hear the Word of God. We are called to do it, act on it. I was praying about this message and how to present it. I'm going to break from the normal format, and I'm going to tell you a story that I believe you know God gave me in my spirit as it relates to acting or doing the Word. <clears throat> so a person approached one of their neighbors before a major holiday meal that was coming up. Now, I don't know the exact holiday, but for the purpose of this story, I'm going to say it was Thanksgiving. The person told the neighbor that there's a great Thanksgiving feast that is prepared in a special place by the greatest master chef ever known. The food is indescribably delicious, and at this feast you will be among and become royalty. I have an invitation if you would like to attend this Thanksgiving feast. It's a life-changing feast. You will be given a cookbook from the master chef, the greatest chef ever known, which contains a precise recipe for every item the chef has prepared for the feast. The only requirement for you to attend is that you truly believe that this is the greatest master chef ever known, and you confess that with your mouth. Would you like to attend this great Thanksgiving feast? The neighbor quickly accepted, believed that it was the greatest master chef ever known, and confessed it aloud. Instantly, the neighbor was standing in the largest, indescribably beautiful banquet room they had ever seen. The middle of the room had what seemed like an endless table covered with every kind of wonderful food and dish the mind could imagine. The neighbor was invited to sit at the table and feast on every item on the table. Plate after plate was set before the neighbor. The neighbor never became full. Every bite of every entree was indescribably delicious. And at the end of the feast, the master chef stood up from the head of the table and came down to the neighbor. The master chef presented the neighbor with a cookbook. And the master chef told the neighbor that the recipe to every single entree was contained in the cookbook with precise instructions on how to make every entree. The cookbook also contained a, a precise instructions on how to prepare the banquet table so that the feast was always properly prepared and everyone at the table would be filled to the fullest. The master chef told the neighbor that if the instructions in the cookbook were followed, they could prepare the same Thanksgiving feast each year for their family and friends, and they would all delight in the feast. Now, the master chef went on to explain that included with the cookbook was the promise of a special helper that they could turn on. It, it would project a three-dimensional hologram of the master chef. Now, the master chef would be there in the hologram to assist in preparing the feast as needed. The master chef told the neighbor to return home and read and study the entire cookbook. Now, the cookbook provides instruction for everything you will need to prepare and serve this great Thanksgiving feast. He told the neighbor to ask, and the special helper three-dimensional hologram will be sent. So, of course, the neighbor immediately asked for the 3D helper and received it right away. The neighbor was instantly standing in their own home with the cookbook in hand. Excited and thrilled from the whole experience, the neighbor began to read the cookbook from cover to cover. Two or three times the neighbor read and studied every recipe in the book and studied all the instructions to prepare the table for the Thanksgiving feast. 
Finally, the time came to prepare the feast. The neighbor gathered all the items required to prepare such each entree. The neighbor plugged in the three-dimensional hologram of the master chef and began to prepare. Right away, the recipe called for the neighbor to first take a small portion of each ingredient, the very best of each ingredient, and put it aside to be given to the master chef. This was called the first fruits of each ingredient. Now, the neighbor gladly did this. Next, the recipe called for the neighbor to take 10% of all the ingredients and put them in a separate bowl. This, too, would be given to the master chef. Well, now the neighbor became a little bit concerned. Am I going to have enough of each ingredient left to complete the recipe? I want to have the greatest Thanksgiving feast for my family and friends. If I don't have enough to make everything, it's just it's not going to work. I've I've told them it's going to be the best. It's going to be great. I'm I'm going to I'm going to make I'll make all the items and then after I'm done, I'll take the 10% aside and then I'll give that to the master chef. So the neighbor began to prepare the first entree and the master chef in the 3D hologram spoke up and said, uh, excuse me, you're not following the recipe. You didn't set aside the 10% first. The neighbor replied, yes, I, I want to make sure I have enough. But to appease the master chef hologram, the neighbor eh, put 5% of each thing and set it aside, thinking, well, the master chef, you know, the hologram, it can't really see how much I put in there, 5%. We're gonna, I'm going to set that aside. And then at the end, I'll, I'll put the rest in. Seemed like a good compromise. It wasn't long before the neighbor began to feel a bit overwhelmed. Family and friends are going to be arriving in a few hours, and Thanksgiving feast has to be the most perfect feast ever. I've already told them they've never had what I'm going to prepare. This is going to be the best thing ever. No one will believe how delicious every entree in this feast is going to be. You know, the heat settings, everything, everything is provided along with the exact time to cook each entree. But time seemed to be running a little bit short. So the neighbor decided that if the heat were increased, the cook time could be shortened. And the delicious meal would be ready on time or probably even a little bit early. You need some time to get dressed and look good. The MasterChef 3D hologram spoke up and asked the neighbor, said, hey, what, what are you doing? The recipe doesn't appear to be being followed. Well, the neighbor, feeling pressed for time, ignored the MasterChef hologram and continued on. The closer it came to feast time, the less the neighbor paid attention to the recipes in the cookbook. All the entrees must be completed on time. I've got to get this done. I still have to set the table. Everything must be perfect. Before long, the neighbor no longer even heard the voice of the 3D master chef. Ingredients were not properly measured or even some of them were left out altogether. Dishes were dropped and broken in the haste to get the table set. Ingredients were spilled on the floor. And then the worst scenario comes to reality. Oil on top of the stove left up unattended, poof, catches on fire. Smoke billows through the house. The smoke alarms are going off. The neighbor can't extinguish the fire. Calls the fire department. The fire department arrives and rushes in, into the house to extinguish the fire. The family and friends, they all start arriving for the great Thanksgiving feast only to find the neighbor standing in the yard, 
fire trucks in the driveway, and smoke billowing from the kitchen window. Just as it seems all is lost, the one who introduced the neighbor to the master chef comes walking over. Gather your things, gather your family and friends, and come over to my home for Thanksgiving feast. The neighbor, feeling totally defeated along with family and friends, accepted the invitation, and they go next door. When they walk in, the table is covered with the most delicious foods imaginable. The decorations are in perfect order. There is more than enough space settings for all the new guests and even room for more. There's more than enough food for everyone to eat to their fill and still have some to send home and take home later. After they had enjoyed the great Thanksgiving feast, the neighbor breaks down and and says, but how? How did you do this? I believed in the great master chef. I confessed him with my mouth. I attended the, the master chef's great Thanksgiving feast. I was given the master chef's cookbook. I read it. I studied it. I had the 3D hologram before me. Why did it not work for me? Why did my feast turn to ruins? And yours is in perfect order. You even had more than enough. You fed all of us and still had plenty left over and room, room to spare at the table. The neighbor replied, did you do it? Did I do what? The neighbor replies, did you do what it said? Did you do what the cookbook said? Did you follow the directions precisely? Did you listen to the promptings from the Master Chef 3D hologram? Well, the neighbor says, well, not exactly. I was afraid I wouldn't have enough ingredients, and I, I wouldn't have enough time to get it already, and I, I made some minor changes. I, I didn't follow all the directions. I, I left a few ingredients out. They just it seemed like minor changes. The good neighbor replied, wipe, wipe your tears. Cheer up. You have done exactly. You, you've done practically what every one of us have done. The cookbook from the master chef and the hologram that comes with it provide perfect, infallible instruction. But you have to do it. You have to act on it. You have to do what it says. You can't just read it and then wing it. You can't take one little part and not take the other part. You see, you are not the master chef, and on your own, you will fail. You must have patience and follow all of the directions given for complete success. We have all made the same mistakes that you made. You must mature and learn to follow the cookbook in all the directions. You need to listen to the voice of the 3D Master Chef. Just as I invited you, so will you invite friends and family and neighbors and even strangers to the Master Chef's great Thanksgiving feast that you attended. After you do, you will need to watch their kitchen windows for the smoke. After you mature, and do exactly what the cookbook tells you to do, and you listen to the promptings from the 3D Master Chef, you too will have abundance and will be inviting others to your Thanksgiving feast when you see the fire trucks arrive and smoke coming from their kitchen window. <laughs> because you see, we are all family now. We need to become mature to produce the same delicious meals like the Master Chef. In order to reach that maturity, we must do what the cookbook says. When we do what it says and we act on it, we become as the master chef. Now, 
The biggest question to answer when we want to understand on how to act on God's Word is, what did God say? He really didn't make it hard for us. We have to read the Word. We have to hear the Word preached. We have to meditate on the Word and pray for knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. You know, we we have to listen for the Holy Spirit that's guiding us. God didn't set traps in His Word so He can have an I got you moment. No. See, the Word tells us to bring our first fruits to God. It tells us to bring in the tithe into His storehouse. It gives us the whole plan of seed time and harvest time, which applies to every area of our life. It tells us to be cheerful givers by bringing our first fruits and tithes. God has made a way for us to be blessed by Him. This is part of the spiritual laws. Malachi Three, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, the New Living Translation. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me through the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. And the King James Version says, From the devourer, your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. When all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, I know that there's some who will say something to the effect of, Well, now, brother, you know, the 10% tithe, well, that was part of the law of Moses, and it doesn't apply today. Well, you know, you, you do as you feel led. Personally, I'm planning on receiving the blessings of God, you know, that He promised for me, and because I'm going to bring the tithe into the storehouse, because that's what the Word says. I will also point out that Abraham gave 10% tithe to Melchizedek, the priest of God Most High, way before God gave the law to Moses. So let's move on to Jesus gave us the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 of the English Standard Version. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This requires action. This is something you have to do it. It can't be accomplished without action. Now, if you want an, an example of acting on the Word of God, read the book of Acts. These are the acts of the apostles. What did they do? I can tell you that one major thing they did was believe and act on the name of Jesus. They boldly proclaimed the new covenant of Jesus. They healed the sick. They even raised people from the dead. In order to do these things, they had to act on the Word with faith in the name of Jesus. When you feel a chill or a little stuffy in the nose, what do you do? Do you proclaim the illness is coming on you? Or do you have faith and act on the Word of God and proclaim that by His stripes I am healed? Sickness, illness, and disease can't live in this body. I'm a child of the Lord God Most High, and my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, we have to act on God's Word, not on your feelings, not on your senses, Follow 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight 
is one of the five senses. So you can say we walk by faith in God's Word, not by how my body feels. The Word of God covers every single area of our life. God's Word is alive. It's just as real today as it was the day He gave it. But in order for it to be real in our life, we have to do it. We have to speak it, live it, spread it, eat it, sleep it, meditate on it, share it, boldly proclaim it, walk in it. Do not add to it or take away from it. Do not rush it. All we need to do is read the Word, hear the Word, pray to God, gain knowledge, understanding and wisdom, and then act on what God's Word tells us to do. See, we, we need to be quick to forgive, slow to anger, quick to repent, slow to speak. In all things, give thanksgiving to the Lord. Love our brothers and sisters as Jesus loved us all. Show the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do not be conceited. Don't provoke or envy others. Pray for others. Help others. Be a good neighbor. Be a godly example at work and to others. And that's, that's difficult to do. I, I've been a failure at that time and time again, time and time again. It takes work. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 31, New Living Translation. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives a great faith to another. And to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to, to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by the Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if we had only one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body, what seem the weakest and least important, are actually the most necessary. And we, the parts we regard as less honorable, are those we clothe with great or with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. 
All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? No, of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. See, when a huge banquet meal is prepared, it's not accomplished by one individual. The food is not all prepared by one chef. There's an executive chef. There's a sous chef and a senior chef, and they oversee the preparation of the, of the banquet meals. See, then you have a pastry chef, a soft chef, a fish chef, a vegetable chef, a meat chef, a pantry chef, a fry chef, a grill chef, a butcher chef. All these chefs are working to make a huge, delicious banquet meal. But it doesn't, it doesn't end there. You have other cooks and individuals doing prep work for all the chefs. There are those who prepare all of the different beverages. You have others setting the banquet table, making the decorations and floral, floral arrangements. You have those who serve the meal during the banquet. There are people who clean up and wash all the dishes. They sweep, mop, and take out the trash at the end. All of these individuals have an important role to play in order to have a successful banquet. There are many jobs, roles, and actions that God has given us in His Word. See, it's up to us to seek God to find out our job, our specific roles, and then act on them. If the meat chef doesn't show up, there will be a hindrance in preparations for the banquet meal. When we do not act on God's Word, there are many areas that are affected by that. When we do not act on the Word in our individual lives, we're personally affected by that. When we do not act in the roles that God is calling us as the church, His body, then many others are affected by that. And, and you don't even know it could be millions of people are affected by that. What if Billy Graham would have decided not to follow God's Word or not to follow God, not necessarily His Word, but just, you know, yeah, I don't know if I want to go start those tent revivals. Lord, I don't think anybody's going to want to come hear me speak on the side in a tent. Now, what if, what if Billy Graham had taken that approach? How many millions and millions of lives, and that's a soul that maybe have been lost to hell, that may not have repented. But Billy Graham listened, as, as many others have. And, and we're not all a Billy Graham. You know, and, and that's the whole part of, of what the beauty of the body of Christ is. We just need to do something. We need to do what we're being led to do. And I'm sitting here in front of this camera today just trying to do what I believe God has called me to do, just acting on His Word. Maybe somebody will watch and get something from it. Maybe, maybe not but I'm just trying to do what I feel led to do, what I feel called to do. And uh, so if you want to grow in any area, you have to act. If you want your love to grow, you have to love and practice showing love. If, if you need patience, you have to act and practice patience. If you want your faith to grow, you must practice your faith. Reading the Word, thinking about the Word, it's great and necessary, and once you do that, 
you then have to do it. Act on the Word. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to talk about today, because when you do it, when you act on the Word, your faith grows. And we are out of time. Now, in episode 22, we will talk about how our faith is hindered by not holding fast to our confession. So I want you to be sure to join me for episode 22. I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.